Good morning. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, Holy Father, we bow before you this morning. We thank you that you've instructed us to call you Father. Would you bless your children this day? Father, would you feed your sheep? Would you give us what we need? Would you glorify your Son in our worship? We ask you these things in His name, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Please open your Bibles to the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 8. Mark, chapter 8. Would you please stand with me for the reading of Holy Scripture? Look down there to verse 22. The Bible says, He cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of Holy Scripture. You may be seated. Well, in John Newton's beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace, there's a phrase in the first stanza where we sing, I was blind, but now I see. And when we sing that, listen, when we sing that, we're not singing it the way that the Bethsaidan blind man would have sung it after Jesus spit on his eyes and twice laid hands upon him. We don't sing that the way that he would have sung it. We sing it analogously, as an analogy, right? When we think of our one God in three persons, of invisible spiritual realities, of other dimensions, of other metaphysically real planes of reality of things that are absolutely real, but unseen? Well, we often have to use analogy or metaphor or simile because it's difficult to even find the words to describe what we think we're trying to communicate. Isn't it? When we sing, I was blind, but now I see, we're claiming sight as enlightenment, aren't we? When we sing that, we're saying that one of the things that God's amazing, wretch, saving grace has done for us is that it's enlightened our minds so that now we perceive 
Jesus of Nazareth as the way, the truth, and the life. We're claiming that we now see something that we didn't see before, aren't we? We're claiming that the eyes of our understanding have been enlightened and that we now see, we perceive something we didn't before. That, that phrase, the eyes of your understanding, is straight out of Holy Scripture. When the great Apostle Paul writes and thanks God for saving the saints at Ephesus, he writes to them and he says, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. When we say, I was blind, but now I see, we're claiming that the eyes of our understanding have been enlightened. And saints, listen, mothers, fathers, isn't that what we want for our children? I mean, they can see. Some need glasses. Some wear contacts. But they can see. But we're praying that they will come to see something that we can't show them. We're praying that the eyes of their understanding may be enlightened, that they may see like those heroes of faith who acted as seeing Him who is invisible. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. That's what the heroes of faith chapter says about Moses. He obeyed as seeing Him who is invisible. What do you see, Moses? Something you can't. What do you see it with? Well, the eyes of my understanding. Many years ago, probably over 20 years ago, we had a church group book study. And the book that we read and studied together was entitled The Universe Next Door by Dr. James Sire. That's a good little book. Dr. Sire is a, was a Christian and the book is informative and interesting. It's a comparison of world views, specifically Christian theism, deism, naturalism, nihilism, existentialism, Eastern pantheistic monism, postmodernism, and some others. And I bring it up just because I really like Dr. Sire's title the universe next door. His idea was that a worldview, a way of viewing or seeing the world, is kind of like a lens, like a pair of glasses through which a person sees the world. And the idea in his title, the universe next door, is that our next door neighbors, 
our very next door neighbors who see the world through a totally different lens, through a different worldview than you and than me, what they see is so, so different because of our disparate worldviews that it's like our next door neighbor is living in a different universe. The universe next door. She or he is seeing a different world than we are seeing, even though we're both looking at the same thing. Concerning the political divide that we're currently witnessing in North America, one cultural analysis analyst described it as watching the same movie on different screens. The idea there being that people are seeing exactly the same movie. But what they think they're seeing is very, very different. It's the same thing on the screen. But the next door neighbor is seeing it differently. I I don't think that's exactly the same idea as Dr. Sires, but I get the point. Listen, vision is critical. And we're looking at the same things, but we're not seeing the same things. Listen, what you see through, what you see through seriously affects what you're seeing. Do you understand that? What you see through seriously affects what you think you're seeing. I mostly wear contact lenses now. But I can still remember when I got my first pair of glasses. I knew that my sight wasn't quite right whenever I got my driver's license at age 15, because they made you look through a, they made you look at a little machine. And then they blocked off one eye, and I could see really good with both eyes, but when they blocked off my right eye, oh, not as, not as, not as good. It wasn't until a couple of years later that I got some glasses. I found myself on the first row of a calculus class at Louisiana Tech. And I'm not really a first row type of guy. And I kept wondering why this professor was writing so lightly on the chalkboard. This is before marker boards. And my parents took me to see an ophthalmologist in Shreveport. And after checking my vision, he said, we can help you. And I can remember going back to pick up those glasses that they had ordered for me and walking out of the ophthalmologist's office into the parking lot. And I still remember looking up and seeing the sharp outlines of all the individual leaves on a tree. And I had no idea that I'd been missing that before. You see, I'd been seeing sort of a green muddle. Something slightly out of focus. Kind of like a Monet painting. But I had no idea. Until, for the first time in a long time, I saw crisply, sharply, clearly... Well, gracious and merciful Jesus took 
the Bethsaidan blind man by the hand. And he led him to the outskirts of town. And can you see this scene in your mind's eye? Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of the living God, holding the blind man's hand, leading him to a private place to help him. Friend, listen, if Jesus takes you by the hand, you're safe. Concerning His beloved people, Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. I and My Father are one. John 10, 28-30. The mighty John Gill wrote, When the Lord Jesus takes sinners by the hand, He becomes their guide and leader. A better and safer guide they cannot have. He brings them by a way they know not and leads them in paths they have not known before. He makes darkness light before them and crooked things straight and does not forsake them. Jesus led him out of town. And there, in a strange miracle that's not detailed in any of the other Gospels, the great physician spit into the man's eyes and then laid his hands upon him. What do you think about that, friend? Remember this. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save His people. And the spit from our Savior's lips is like the eye salve of the Gospel with which the Son of God anoints the eyes of the blind. And listen, let us worship Him. I I tell you, friend, Our God is mighty to save. Even the spit of our God can open the eyes of the blind. Well, after this humbling treatment, the great physician asked him, Do you see anything? And he said, I see men as trees walking. I see men as trees walking. I see men as trees walking. I'm beginning to see. Tim, I'm no Johnny Cash. The Bible says that he laid his hands on his eyes and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. He said, now I see all men clearly. Now I see all men clearly. Now I see all men clearly. I've begun to see. I can't. Leave that without reminding you of Brother Cash's ending. Jesus, reach down now and touch me. Jesus, reach down now and touch me. Jesus, reach down now and touch me. I desire to see. Brothers and sisters, listen. I I think it's more important now than it's ever been that we see clearly. There's so much smoke now, so much fog, so much going on that would distort our vision. 
Listen, there is nothing that the enemy of our souls would like more than to have us muddled, disoriented, unfocused, even blinded. The great apostle explains one of the devices of Satan in his third letter to the Corinthians. Listen, he writes, The God, the little g-God, the God of this world, that's Satan, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Comparing the Christians at Ephesus to their unbelieving countrymen, Paul writes, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. Did you hear those ophthalmic terms? Darkened. And blindness. And what we saw was that, listen, the touch of Jesus brought the polar opposite of darkness and blindness. The touch of Jesus brought light, enlightenment. And the touch of Jesus brought vision, clear sight. Listen, Jesus heals people in different ways. Sometimes He touched people. A woman touched him, and it healed her. He healed her. Brother Bill reminded us recently of how Jesus sometimes healed at a distance, not even going to the centurion's house. He healed his servant. He said, he's all right. He's all right now. Some blind men he healed with a touch. In the fourth gospel... St. John records a healing where Jesus spit on the ground. And then he mixed his spit with the dirt and made clay or mud. And then he smeared the spit clay into a man's eyes and told him, go wash it off. And the scripture says, he came back seeing. This is John chapter 9. The Bethsaidan blind man here in Mark 8, he healed with divine spit and with his touch. Uh, one commenter on the narrative of the Bethsaidan blind man's healing that I read said something like, This was not how Jesus normally healed. Normally? I thought, I'm not going to smack down a brother. Normally, what does that even mean? None of the healings of Jesus was normal. Every one of them was abnormal, supernatural, miraculous. 
So when we read of the miracles of Jesus, normal is not a word that should come into our minds. Everything about a miracle is outside the norm. It's not a miracle when you find a parking spot at Walmart. (laughs) So, listen, we must be cautious not to attach too much meaning to the methodology of God's healing. Listen, He can do it any way He wants to do it. The Jesus who formed Adam from the dust of the ground and then breathed the invigorating breath of life into that beautiful sculpture. The same Jesus that did that could make seeing eyes or blind eyes see with His spit. Or He could just speak the Word and sight could be given. Right? The Spirit blows where He wills. And we don't know where that's going to be. But we can tell when He's been there. We know that a word from the Savior's mouth or a touch from the Master's hand can bring healing. In the conversion of men's souls, there are diversities of operation, but it is the same Holy Spirit of God which converts. And friend, you and I have talked about it before. If you'd be a soul winner, you need to be a prayer warrior. You can't save anybody. And when you try to tell them the good news, you just make them mad. Why would anybody get mad about that? Well, this do. But if the Spirit's blowing, hmm. And so, also, in the healing of men's bodies, there were diversities of agencies implied or employed by our Savior. But it was the same divine power that affected the cures. In all His works and all His ways, God is sovereign, and He doesn't give an account of His works to anybody. He's unaccountable. He's above accountability. Well, I know that you know the apostolic hermeneutic teaches that no teaching, no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. 2 Peter 1.20 So I have no private or novel interpretation of Jesus' healing of the Bethsaidan blind man. But from this narrative, I do believe I find a practical application for us. There's something in this narrative that calls for special attention. The header over this narrative in Mark 8 in the Net Bible is a two-stage healing. That's the little header that they put over the section in the Net Bible. A a two-stage healing. It seems that it's a gradual cure. Jesus didn't deliver him from his blindness all at once, but as it were, by degrees. We know, listen, we know He could have done it all at once because sometimes He did. But not this time. First the blind man said he only saw men as trees walking. Then, after another touch, 
His eyesight was restored completely, and he said, I see all men clearly. Well, Holy Scripture itself teaches us that every Scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So we need have no doubt that this gradual cure can have a practical lesson for us. Maybe more than one. But here's what I want you to see this morning. A touch from Jesus brought healing. And more touches from Jesus brought more healing. Okay, you got it. After the first touch... Blind eyes were open. And after more touches, his vision became crystal clear. Jesus took him from no vision to blurred vision to clear vision. Now listen, cloudy spiritual vision afflicts every Christian to some degree. Doesn't it? None of us sees as clearly as we would like. The great apostle notes, we see through a glass darkly now, but then clear, like face to face. So beloved, brother, sister, how are we going to retain clarity, soundness, right vision in this cloudy, foggy, smoky, smoggy time. How? Well, I'll tell you what I think we need. I think we need regular appointments with our eye doctor. I think we need regular appointments with the great physician. I think we need for Jesus to touch us again and again and again. The regular, listen, the regular contact that we have with the words of this world, it affects the way we see things. It affects the way we experience things. It touches us. It tries to get us to watch the screen a certain way. And we need to hear the words of Jesus again and again and again as He whispers sweet peace to our spirits. We need His touch on our spirits again and again and again. Because, you see, continued contact, continued contact with Jesus, the Word, the Logos of God, brings healing, vision, clarity. I'm glad you're here today. Heal us, Emmanuel. Here we are, waiting to feel thy touch. Deep wounded souls to thee repair. And Savior, we are such. Our faith is feeble, we confess. We faintly trust thy word. But will thou pity us the less? Be that far from thee, Lord. 
Remember Him who once applied with trembling for relief. Lord, I believe, with tears He cried, O help my unbelief. She too who touched Thee in the press and healing virtue stole, was answered, Daughter, go in peace. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Concealed amidst the gathering throng, she would have shunned thy view. And if her faith was firm and strong, had strong misgivings too. Like her, with hopes and fears we come to touch thee, if we may. O send us not despairing home. Send none unhealed away. Please stand with me for prayer. Let us pray. O God, all sufficient, thou hast made and upholdest all things by the word of thy power. Darkness is thy pavilion, thou walkest on the wings of the wind. All nations are nothing before thee. One generation succeeds another, and we hasten back to the dust. The heavens we behold will vanish away like the clouds that cover them. The earth we tread upon will dissolve as a morning dream. But thou, unchangeable and incorruptible, thou art forever and ever. God over all, blessed eternally, infinitely great and glorious art thou. We are thy offspring and thy care. Thy hands have made us and fashioned us. Thou hast watched over us with more than parental love, more than maternal tenderness. Thou hast holden our soul in life and not suffered our feet to be moved. Thy divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. O let us bless Thee at all times and forget not how Thou hast forgiven our iniquities, healed our diseases, redeemed our lives from destruction, crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfied our mouths with good things, renewed our youth like the eagles. May Thy holy scriptures govern every part of our lives and regulate the discharge of all our duties so that we may adorn Thy doctrine in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.